Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. A great show on deck for you guys to jumpstart our season. Nate Tice of The Athletic and The Athletic Football Show, and as he tells me, going to be writing at Yahoo Sports uh, very, very soon, is going to join me to break down what makes this Atlanta offense so exciting. And he is somebody I've really enjoyed listening to all throughout the offseason. He and Robert Mays have done a great job just breaking down the X's and O's and why specifically Atlanta's offense is positioned to do something that You know, a lot of football people have dreamed about for a while, this positionless idea, but maybe Arthur Smith and this Falcons team are the right team to really execute it and kind of bring it to fruition. So that is what we have on tap today with Nate is just all things Atlanta's offense and why he's high on the Falcons heading into the season. Um, For those of you that have been keeping up with uh, my Twitter account, out Will McFadden, uh, for those of you who are not, You may have noticed that, yeah, this podcast has been delayed a little bit. Uh, Generally, we've been sticking to that Thursday-Monday cadence, um, and that will be the cadence for the uh, rest of the season. So definitely um, keep that in mind. But as I was recording with Nate on uh, last Wednesday, uh, my computer just kind of kept shutting down. Like I kept getting a random blue screen, most annoyingly with like a little frowny face on it, uh, which I know was intended to be a, a little bit like, hey, we're with you. You know, th- this stinks. Right. But ugh, it's just so annoying when your computer is like ah, frowny face. This sucks. But in the middle of of the interview with with Nate, just kind of the screen went blue. It was a, win- a Windows uh, update issue, I guess, and did my very best to cut it all together and, and make it seem pretty seamless. Nate, for his part, was a great sport about it all. I mean, I was getting visibly frustrated just because I kept popping in and out. And obviously, that's not what you want. But he took it in stride, was was really awesome about it all. Fast forward, uh, it turns out that the issue my computer was experiencing was basically its death throes <laughs> because it just could not be revived. And I'm a little bit upset about it because that computer's just over a year old. So it was just out of warranty, which was very frustrating. Took it to Micro Center, tried to figure out what was wrong with it. I guess in the process of trying to figure out what the update was that was causing a lot of the issues, and I don't want to go into the nitty gritty of it all, the motherboard of my computer was overloaded. And even though motherboard sounds like something from you know, the Snyder Cut or, or something like that, it is a very integral part to your computer and very expensive to replace. So I have ordered a new new laptop and that should be here, I'm told, uh, by Wednesday. So for this next week, we're not going to have a show on Thursday. Um, I'm going to be getting my brand new laptop set up for the upcoming season because this was the worst time to uh, to lose a laptop after a full off season of notes and, and everything that was on it. Uh, so that's a shame. But We will be back um, after week one against Carolina Panthers. Ovi and I will break down the entire game for you guys. So so be on the lookout for that. This one is going to come up on Tuesday morning. Hopefully that's when you all are listening to it. This will be our show for the week unless I, you know, can somehow scrounge something together. But 
by and large, look out for Believe in Falcons hitting your channel next on Monday morning after the week one matchup against the Carolina Panthers. So that is kind of all I wanted to get to uh, right now. Um, I do real quick because uh, I initially recorded before roster cutdown, but by now you've heard everything. So I just I've got one idea that I want to run by you guys before we get to Nate. But first, Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. And hey, why don't we go ahead and throw football onto that list, seeing as how uh, it is officially here, the start of the regular season. So Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games which are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Let's run through the schedule again. Uh, we did this when the schedule was released. Ovi and I went through and just kind of did some very initial win-loss uh, predictions. But now that we've gone through training camp, now that I've got a much better idea of what to expect, not only for the Falcons, but kind of for some of the other teams around the league, I thought it might be a, a real quick, fun exercise to just walk through the list again, shall we? So week one, which is, man, just days away. Oh, so exciting. Carolina Panthers. I have got this as I had uh, initially as a win. Um, I... I Went back and watched the Panthers' third preseason game. I, you know, I, I see what what they're going for. I think that it's going to just take a little bit of time for everything to kind of come together, at least offensively. Um, I've got some hesitations about Adam Thielen's role in this offense. I do have high hopes for Miles Sanders, but I, I think that Atlanta's defensive line is really going to show out in this uh, Week One matchup. So that is my prediction is that the Falcons will open this season with a win as they should have last year. Honestly, I'm still not over that, uh, that saints loss as I'm sure many people are, but they will uh, redeem that in week one this time around. Then they've got the green Bay Packers and Jordan love coming to town for week two. I also have that as a win. I just think you're kind of catching this version of the Packers pretty early on in the Jordan love era. So I like Atlanta for that reason. Week three, this is when it gets interesting. I think initially I had this marked as a loss up in Detroit. Now I've got it as a win. Of course, you know, Jameson Williams suspended, so he's not going to be a factor, which I, I think is big. Jameer Gibbs, their big draft. Like a lot of people are high on the Lions. I, I don't need to walk through all of it. I just think that the Falcons may have more substance as the team that is a little bit of a, a sexy sleeper. So this will be a fun matchup between two teams that, you know, for the last few years have been kind of uh, along the bottom uh, of these teams, but are ascending in a lot of people's eyes. And I think Atlanta gets it done on the road. Then they stay on the road, but they head international for a week four matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. This, I think, is going to be Atlanta's first loss of the season. Not because, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to show up and, and play well on the road um, in London. I just think Jacksonville is going to be a really good team. They obviously are very used to this by now uh, heading over there. So that's going to be the first loss of the year. Three and one through that first four game block is what I have the Falcons at. So they return home. Then they've got uh, two home matchups against Houston and Washington. 
I have them splitting this. I think they're going to beat Houston. I think they drop one of those games to Washington. That's just kind of a, a tough little opening um, flurry there to go to London and come back. You got Houston. I think that'll be a little bit of a bounce back game for them, but then maybe a little bit of a letdown. And I think Washington's defensive line, which is loaded, is going to be kind of a, a factor in that game. So that is the second loss that I have on Atlanta's schedule. Third is, or sorry, week seven is at Tampa Bay. This is a win for Atlanta. I think Tampa Bay is not going to be very good this year. So even on the road in the division, I expect Atlanta to win. Then they're on the road again against Tennessee. This one I also have as a loss for the Falcons AFC team. Yes, I know Arthur Smith is going to want to, you know, do well down there, but it's just kind of always a weird game in the AFC. I don't think Tennessee is going to be bad this year. I, they've got some interesting players. This one could be tight. I could see it going either way. I just have it as a loss right now. Then you return home. This is a big game. Minnesota, this is a win. Um, so you could honestly, I think, kind of toss up either of those two games, Tennessee and Minnesota. But I kind of feel like the Falcons are going to play well against the top teams, the few top teams that they have uh, in the NFC on their schedule. Minnesota is one of them. I'll bet they're up for this game. It's at home. I hope the, the fan base is going to make it feel like U.S. Bank Stadium inside a Mercedes-Benz Stadium and give Atlanta a really uh, big home field advantage here for a, a nice matchup, a nice matchup against another NFC contender. Um, then they're on the road against Arizona, not an NFC contender. Don't have to spend too long on this one. I like the Falcons to uh, to get a win there on the road. And then they've got their bye week. Week 11 bye, not the latest in the world, but comes at a nice time um, because then you've got a home match against New Orleans. The first of, of your two games against the Saints. I like the Falcons to win this one at home. Um, I do think they're going to split this series, spoiler alert, but I think they'll win this first one coming out of the bye week. Really curious to see what Ryan Nielsen has to, to throw at his old team, some of these wrinkles. So I, I like the Falcons at home against their rival, but then they head on the road against the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers, HBO, Hard Knocks. You know, by this point, I think Brees Hall is, is fully back from, from his ACL injury uh, and just kind of in midseason form. Obviously, this will be late in the year. So late season form, Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, like the, the Jets, we either know that this is a true Super Bowl contender, as many predict right now, or things have gone horribly wrong. But I just don't see that. I think the Jets are going to be good. Their defense is legit. This is on the road kind of later in the year. So the Falcons I have dropping this game, you know, I, I could see it going either way, but I just think that, yeah, this is one that they're probably not going to win for the reasons I just laid out. Then they've got uh, four winnable games. Will they win all four of these? I have yes, but I could also see them dropping any one of these games just because it's hard to win week in and week out in the NFL. And that is at home against Tampa Bay, on the road against Carolina, at home against Indy, on the road against Chicago. On paper, you know, I, again, I've got the Falcons winning all four of these games. Could they drop that home game against Indianapolis? Let's say Anthony Richardson is more along the lines of a Cam Newton or an Andrew Luck as a rookie. That seems kind of crazy right now before the season starts. But who knows? You know, by the time uh, week 16 rolls around, a lot of things will change. And the Colts could be one of the surprising teams. I, I'm not predicting it right now. I've seen stranger things happen. If that's not the case, what about Chicago? On the road, late in the year, very, very cold up at Soldier Field. Uh, 
Is Justin Fields, you know, has he made that leap? Is DJ Moore the right receiver? Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, those running backs they have, like, it's really hard to predict games that are going to be happening in December at this point uh, in September. But just the way everything's lined up right now, I have the Falcons going 4-0 during this four-game stretch, which is going to really kind of boost this uh, overall season prediction total that I have. I could see them going 2-2. Two and two. I could see them going 3-1. and one. You know, I, I think that this is a winnable stretch, so I, I don't think that they go like 1-3 and three here unless things have gone wrong for them. But that is is what uh, is going to be kind of their, I think, signature stretch there before the playoffs, because I have them, spoiler alert, as a playoff team. I do, however, have them ending the season with a loss in New Orleans. I just think the Saints are, are also really good. Maybe the Falcons have the division locked up, and this is a little bit of a, a rest for them. Maybe this is for the division or something like that, and the Saints are really in it. But I, I on the road, I have Atlanta dropping this last game against New Orleans. I just think they're going to split. I've got them winning earlier in the year at home. I think they're going to lose on the road to New Orleans. But overall, I have the Falcons going 12 and 5, which is one more win than I had initially when I predicted them going 11 and 6. So a little bit of optimism creeping into my predictions. But man, I, I think this team is really good. I think it's creative. I think the talent level finally matches um, like the the goals of this coaching staff and really the the creativity that they want to bring about in this team and and for this roster. So for that reason, yeah, I, I think the optimism is a little bit warranted. I've been able to see them. I've seen Bajan and how good he is. You know, I think the first drive of that second preseason game when the starters were out there was beautiful. If we see that 60% of the time this season, this offense is again, going to be one of the very best in the league. And that's going to be enough given the improvements on the defensive side of the ball. I really think to get to double digit wins this year. And if that is the case, I expect Atlanta to be back in the playoffs. So just wanted to take another look at the schedule. Again, I apologize for this podcast being delayed a couple of days. Laptop issues are what they are. Um, but I'm very, very excited for you all to hear this interview with Nate Tice. I have been looking forward to it all off offseason. Uh, and so I finally get to share it with you all right now. Very excited to be joined by Nate Tice of The Athletic Football Show and The Athletic Writ Large and just football writ large, man. Nate Tice, you know so much about football. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I, I It's very funny for me because my, my first love and my love for a long time was baseball. So I'm like a huge oh, wow. like baseball nerd as far as like history and yeah. everything. And I'm like, I became better at football and then i was like oh maybe i should really look more into this stuff and it's so funny to be like oh you know so much about football it's like you should hear me about baseball <laughs> like anything <laughs> anything before like 2002 like 2003 when i kind of stopped really paying attention to it oh yeah factoids i can tell you mel Ott's, uh total home runs hank aaron stats but it's just like really funny it's like now i've turned my football switch on over the years which has been yeah maybe just the brain wiring once you get 20 21 years old i, I feel like i could I could go the easy route here and say, you know, you're a regular Kyler Murray or, or any of these dual baseball football guy. But I want to, I want to throw back. Was it Jeff Samarja? Was that the, Jeff the Samarja? New yeah, for Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, drafted by the Cubs. I thought you were going to maybe go Todd Helton. Uh, oh, yeah. well, he was Peyton Manning. Uh, he was ahead of Peyton Manning at Tennessee for for a minute and mm -hmm. then starter, I think, beforehand. But they have been played with the Rockies for years yeah. too. So that, that's another one that comes to mind. Yeah, he was a he was a guy. my wish guy too. I, I think oh, he. Okay. 
I think uh, I remember, I think that's when I was first introduced by or introduced to Todd Helton was definitely one of those, my wish things. Okay. And I, cause I was, I remember I grew up playing for the Rockies and this is so not what you guys are here to listen to fans, but we will get to some fountain <laughs> football uh, in just a second. I promise that, but I, I played mentioned, for the Rockies. I mentioned Hank Aaron, so I always checked. Okay. A little yeah, Atlanta yeah, the, tie there. Yeah. The Atlanta yeah. tie, of course. Um, but let's, yeah, let's talk uh, some, some Falcons because I mentioned this before we started recording, but have listened to uh, your show with Robert Mays a lot this off season. Um, just because I am fascinated by the X's and O's and the actual, like what of football, like what, you know, when the coaches are looking at, at these teams, like what are they seeing and, and how are they going about approaching it? And you guys make this Falcons team sound so much fun. And so I just kind of want to start there. Like, why are you confident in this year's Atlanta club? Uh, it's really what Arthur Smith has done with what I considered at least even two years ago and a little, not even that much better than that last year as an Island of misfit toys Mm -hmm. and making them work and coaching a very sound offensive scheme. And I think I, I'm a sucker anyways, for anyone that kind of, I can just know rules just osmosis over the years. And it's kind of one of those, like that Supreme court rolling. I kind of know, you know, you know, you know, when you see it kind of thing. And that kind of, there's a lot of things that Arthur Smith has done when he was with Tennessee and then now in Atlanta, I'm like, okay, this guy knows scheme, knows what rules are, knows what rule breakers are, knows what changeups are off of like his own fastball, what he likes to do. And I, I that's why I was interested at very, at when I first watched the 2021 Fal- or yeah, 2021 Falcons mm-hmm. and watching them, I'm like, Oh, Okay, Kyle Pitts is receiver. Cordell Patterson is tight end on this play. Um, like the running back is playing tight end. He's chip helping, but the tight end is actually in the slot and he's running the main route. Like, it's like, okay, this yeah. is interesting. Like, this is something I want to keep an eye on. And then last, thank God I did. Because in last year, I kept, I was like, I'm going to watch this Falcons team because I wanted to see how they run the ball. And it was just like, even with Mariota barely being able to kind of trot back and function, you know, he did do some okay things, but in the, on the whole, not really. Uh, but it was watching that and still seeing them succeed and seeing how they tie play calling it together, how they tie runs together, passes together. So I'm just like, I was buying more and more stock. I'm like, this guy is just, he gets it. And I think he's in a line I've used is they're going to punish teams that aren't sound by being mm. sound on both sides of the ball, I think, um, but especially on offense. And then this, I see the vision. And then with Drake London, who I was high on, and then signing, you know, even drafting a guy like Matthew Bergeron. And yeah. then just, you know, of course, the B. John Robinson pick. And it was like, I see how this is all coming together. And I'm really excited about it. Um, it's funny. I, I, I've i made the line that they were kind of, last year, they were kind of like the Northmen. Did you ever see that movie? Heck kind of yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of a you know, kind of a film goers movie, uh, you know, a, a <laughs> cinephobe, maybe kind of a movie uh, choice, but maybe not a popular movie. And I was like, that was kind of the Falcons for me. So I think like this year, it's like I, I can see a little bit more budget and maybe more a little bit broader appeal. Get the four corners or, or you know the four marketing spots, spots, yeah. and get each one and get a little more broad appeal with this offense. So long story short, it's just the soundness. And then the additions of the exciting pieces, and I see it all come together, and that's what's got me excited. The last, you know, eightish months talking about the Falcons. You know who loves that Northman comp is uh, Caleb McGarry. <laughs> he, oh. he would be very oh, yeah. excited to hear that uh, comp. That dude <laughs> is 
as Norse as it gets, like through yeah. and through. He should just, be from Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, he should be leading the skull, uh, the skull chant every single week. <laughs> like Perfect. he's you you mentioned the soundness though, and that's something that's so fascinating to me because I think on the one hand, some people would look at this offense and and kind of look at it as this like weird science experiment where you like for me the first indicator in 2021 when when I saw Mike Davis all the way split out on like the right sideline and I was like oh they they started in you know 12 personnel here and they're five mm-hmm. wide what is going on and and so that's when I I started paying attention to that but then almost by losing Matt Ryan they kind of became untethered in the best possible way for this experiment right. last year it's like okay yeah. so we now have lost that anchor at quarterback. So let's get a guy who's just going to allow us to, to go full mad scientist and, and kind of experiment. But as I think more on the mad scientist end of the spectrum, I generally start to think offenses would become less sound. So how do you balance these really unique, interesting players that can do a bunch of different things, but then still have that kind of gravity of your offense to be able to play very sound football? Yeah, well, the baselines are good, like the baseline rules you can tell are good, but it's how they kind of get to everything. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of window dressing and a lot of like splashing the water to run the simplest plays at times. And I I think also it's a lot of plays that just make sense. Like they they run zone a a good amount of the time, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then the the change-ups off of that all makes sense. They're not running into light boxes or heavy boxes. Like, or they, they do, that's kind of, a, this is a conundrum I have. People use box count numbers kind of incorrectly, and I never really correct them um, because it's all tied into what the offense is doing in the situation. Yeah. And right. so that's why it's like when people use that stuff, I'm like, yeah, well, there's a lot of variables that go into that. But they run into, uh, like, the run plays that they run, they have answers to no matter what the box count is. That's why teams hmm. like to run outside zone. That's why it was the meta um, for a year, for a few years now, or like why the Shanahan really came to promise, the Shanahan offenses came to prominence, is because everybody was doing the Seahawks defense. Falcons were one of them. Single high, load the box. Yep. Outside zone can be blocked against single high boxes. So when they run these changeups, like a Drew Dahlman wineback play, which looks so crazy, it's sound though. It's using angles. It's using these. things. It's just ah, I'm trying. To, you never gets over his skis. So angles is the perfect funky. way to they always yeah. have the right angle of attack and the, the changeups always make sense like they even this is why having gigantic receivers drake london and now mac collins is gonna mm-hmm. be fantastic is because they will do weak side plays so open side plays away from the tight end and they'll have those guys pinning dns and they just have to win for a second you just have, mm-hmm. that's all you have to do and when you're 215 225 at receiver that gives you a chance and they do it already with their, I know he's a top 10 pick, but London's willing to do it. Like he's yeah. not burying guys, but he gets the job done. And so, but those changeups and those willingness and understanding what the good changeups are, that's what the Falcons do. And so they, the like I, I talked about the Dolman wideback play, the open side play, then the screens off play action. They run about 15, 20 variations of play action. Like any type of play action you can run, they run it. But it always ties into the runs that they're running. So they'll have the tight end crossing the motion. They'll run it from the same formation. The use of personnel is super interesting. So, and so I think that's why I, the sound, this is what I come back to. And like, even if it looks crazy, it's like they still majority run zone. It's just that they just sprinkle in a week to week change up and he understands his personnel to get away with it. So it's, 
again, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's good football. <laughs> I know it's not this like, and that's what I've, I've been trying to beat over the head on our show is that like, it's not Mahomes and it's not Josh Allen, but this is still good stuff. It, mm-hmm. Even if we're, I think people think that you only could win at football and be good on offense or be good on defense like one way. And I, 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 you know, how many people share Shanahan playbooks every year where they just say, well, you have to have Mahomes. It's like, but there, there's ways, other ways to win. And especially when you're zagging, when everybody else is doing other, yes. like just this one thing, it's, it's, it's like, there's just a lot of makings to like just being ahead, ahead of the game by going back to square one, which I just think is awesome. We talk about the NFL being so cyclical and and in a way you can kind of then see, all right, if we wanted to get ahead of the curve here, we we get ahead by going back a little bit. And yeah. that is that is what the Falcons have have done to a degree. But you do still have some of these the pre snap motion that you mentioned. You've got some of these more modern concepts like one of the my favorite things that I heard you say uh, recently. And I, I'm forgetting exactly what it may have been best lessons learned from the offenses in, in 2022, that podcast you guys did with uh, Ben Solak of the ringer, which is great. Recommend everybody go listen to that. But you basically said like the third receiver is dead, like the the third receiver written. And that's been a question that a lot of people have had. I I was just on a radio show a little uh, while ago where they were talking about, do they still need to add to the receiver position? The Falcons don't view receivers as the only ones that can catch the ball, nor should they, nor will their offense allow, like you've got, just weapons all over the place. So do you think the Falcons are like ahead of the curve in that way? Or are they with the the leaders on that curve, but the players that they're going to incorporate in those ways? Like how are the Falcons both different and I guess a little bit ahead of the curve in that way? It's what everybody says they want to do, but they actually do it. <laughs> and <laughs> I think even just, uh, well, Pitts is, you know, they will use him basically as a receiver, straight up, mm-hmm. like an outside receiver. So that is where it's getting your best five out there, yes. and and then going from there, and or just getting okay. We we, we all know who the top three are going to be. It's going to be Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan. Like mm-hmm. those are the aces on this offense. So who are how do other the, the other role players circle around that? That's where they can get into a thirteen personnel look, which is three tight ends. But then use it like 12, which is two tight ends because Pitts can do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And then they can make that look like an empty formation because then they can split Bijan out. And every team does these things as far as those formations and everything. It's the use of personnel. And that's what they got a bunch of Swiss Army knives that can do this. But they got two at the very least. Um, but it's <laughs> but all these all these other guys that have different skill sets. So I think yeah. it's one of those. Everything wants to do this. And you're talking about adding to the receiver room. They don't need to. This is going to be a like their 12 personnel is. I mean, the Chiefs will be in 12 personnel on third down. It's Kelsey's a receiver. Defenses treat you like a receiver. So you're a receiver. Pitts is going to get treated like a receiver because he's a freaking weapon um, and he's becoming a better blocker. And but it's it's just these how you get treated as is how you have to attack the the, the defense that's treating you like that way. So right. I just think how they use that personnel, the, all the tight ends. I think the song I had some stat that was about like, uh, their personnel groupings, like they're the only one that have five different personnel groupings and double digit percentage or something like that. Meaning yeah, yeah. the tight end looks using a fullback, yada, yada. So it's all things other teams do, but I think how they place their guys there is what the interesting part is. It's back to the original example of Cordell Patterson's lining up as the chip help tight end 
he's the, the running back. And like, you know, you don't see teams doing that. And then the yeah. tight ends at the slot spot on third down. And so just like the not new modern version of this is that, you know, Drake London lined up like a tight end. Kyle Pitts lined up like a receiver. Bijan Robinson lined up like a slot receiver. Matt Collins lined up like a tight end. It's all X's on the chalkboard. It's five spots, but how they you what the personnel on those five X's is what matters the most. And that's again what I think Arthur Smith does well. He knows what these guys are good at, and he's just gonna spam it over and over and over. That's just got to be so annoying to be a defensive player. And it's like yes. late in the third quarter, you're already tired. You're And then you have to remember these rules for like the different guys that you had. It's like, all right, Cordero Patterson's in this situation. No, he's, he's a receiver. So like, they're not in 12 personnel. They're in, you know, two personnel or whatever, yeah. like you want to call that. So that's so fascinating to me. Just yeah. this next level There's an of example it. from, the the one drive they were, the, that the ones ran against um, uh, Cincinnati preseason against Cincinnati, thank you, was they were in thirteen personnel three times. One looked looked like eleven spread, you know, yes, just a wide yeah. up, normal eleven personnel. One looked like a traditional uh, twelve personnel look, which is two tight ends and the two guys in the slot, which yeah. is a heavy play action look. And then one looked like and actually they motioned over, and then it was a traditional three tight end look. So that's all the same personnel grouping. And then that's just three different looks. And so they don't have to run crazy concepts. They're trying to run seven concepts and then just run the variable as the formation and the shifting and the motion and the personnel. Splashing the water. That's what you, yeah, and I love, water. that is such a good analogy because it's just like it's boom, 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 boom. You don't know what we're doing. And then yeah. now we're by you. And, but for the offense, it's, I'm running, for Desmond Ritter, he's running the same concept over and over. He's running the same pass where the guys line up is just, that's the language and that's what gets changed. But for him, the picture is the same, you know, the verbiage might be different, but the picture ends up being the same. So it actually helps him out too. And so it's just, yeah, again, a lot of offenses want to do this, but then they just lose themselves as soon as training camp happens. But like the Falcons are like, there's already proof that they can do this. And now they got more resources to kind of do it better, which I, I just, again, which is why I'm excited about it. I, I want to real quick before we get to kind of the defensive side of the ball briefly, um, Desmond Ritter, right? Obviously, he's kind of going to be the, I think, the X factor for this offense. Um, if he can just kind of play within it, uh, do a lot of those things well that, you know, Marcus Mariota didn't necessarily do well last year. But if he can kind of just execute the areas that they need the quarterback to execute, you know, you think that this team could be a pretty good offense, uh, especially yeah. in the league. I mean, what? Why do you think Desmond Ritter, why do you think the Falcons believe that he can work in this offense? And what have you seen from Desmond Ritter to make you believe that he can work in this offense? Yeah, another reason why I'm high on the Falcons is they keep taking my the guys I like. Uh, so <laughs> Trey London was my receiver one in last year's class. Um, Desmond Ritter was my quarterback one in that class as well. And even over Pickett, over Malik Willis, all those guys. And really what I liked about him was Yes, he's a, a plus athlete. He's a, a legit four or five guy, mm -hmm. but he wants to be a real quarterback. He wants to be a real boy in the pocket and, and <laughs> actually do it. And and I I'm, I think what happened, and I think with the process with Ritter, even as a prospect, was a lot of people remembered really Cincinnati Ritter, and they didn't see him. And I got exposed to him late. I only watched him late junior year and then senior year. I'm like this guy's smart as hell. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like are you guys saying he's just an athlete. He's getting compared to like some guys that like, like were just straight athlete types. And I'm like, what, what are you guys talking about? And he's pointing out blitzes. He's changing protections. He's throwing hots. And like, 
okay, this is cool. Like this is an interesting <laughs> package. It's very competitive, yeah. it seems like. And so that's what turned me on to him. And I think that carries over to him as a pro is the one aspect I already know he does better in Mariota is handle points and protections and the kind of quarterbackness of the pre-snap process. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mariota's dumb or anything. It's just never been his strength. He's never kind of had that license to do that. Yeah. Ritter had this license all the way back last preseason. And there's proof. I, I tweeted it. It was against the Lions. He's got, he got license yeah. to change protection, which is, you don't rookies don't get that usually. Um, you know, maybe the top guys, but it's like, usually you have to earn that right. And the fact that it was his first preseason experience, he's doing it. It's like, sweet. Like that, that's a, that's a very good thing. Um, so I, I think like as he kind of kept going along watching the four starts when he did start, yeah, some ups and downs and him as a thrower, he with touch, he's okay. He's more of a line drive thrower. And that's why I think some people had concerns about his, his accuracy. So he's, he has misses that, like, cause he's a line drive thrower, him, mm-hmm. Herbert, Tannehill, these guys are line drive throwers. He got, I thought got, you know, misperceived as a inaccurate thrower. It's because his misses would be bad. It'd be eight yards over a guy's head, but that doesn't mean he's inaccurate. Just because you miss really badly once doesn't mean you miss badly every time. And I thought the strengths of what he throws, I think he's a really good dig thrower, a really good overball thrower. So stuff over the middle where Mm -hmm. guys are working. What offense really likes those types of routes? The Falcons offense and Arthur Smith off of play action. So, and even out throws, he has plenty of arm strength to push the ball outside. That's another change up that Arthur Smith likes off play action and even drop back. So just his strength mentally, you know, I mentioned the Lions game. And then just, I think he's a good athlete. They can do some QB run stuff with him. He's not a creative runner. He's very, very tight hipped, but he's got juice and he can create some stuff. He's actually runs a lot like Tannehill, just 20 pounds lighter. Um, But it's, yeah, it's actually kind of similar in a weird, they're they're very similar in weird ways. (laughs) which actually there's, yeah, there's a lot to that in Arthur Smith. He's got yeah, he has, exactly. He's like, no, he wants this guy to stand there and throw those dicks. He's like, yep. Hey, I got this guy wide open. You just got, you're going to, you're going to get hit, but you got to throw that ball. on a rope. If so, there's uh, a little yeah. air on that ball, I know uh-uh, it's got to be on a rope. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be on a rope. <laughs> I know. So it's uh, his skill set. I just like, uh, and I've kind of hedged it a little bit where I'm like, even if he's the 18th best quarterback, I think this offense was top 10 top five in some metrics, but even DVOA, they're 12th, I believe, and weighted DVOA is that was with Mariota barely like it yeah. just came in like any dropback was just an adventure and he compounded it with a lot of mistakes. And I also think that's what Ritter does well. Ritter doesn't really make too many mistakes as a player. He's a smart player. So he's kind of a glorified game manager. And I mean that as a compliment. And again, in an offense that's going to have a lot of third and shorts because they're going to pound the rock on first and second down. You need a guy that's smart and won't make mistakes. And I think he can do that and give you other stuff. So I'm a fan of his. And I, I, I've been kind of like saying that 18th best quarterback, best quarterback line. It's like, but I still think he can be better in that. Like if all mm-hmm. things click, uh, I'm, I'm very high on him. I think the first preseason game was kind of like him, like two T like that, or that was for that one drive that he played on yeah. the, the first team offense played on. That was kind of him. He had a couple misses. But then he had a couple of really good throws and tight windows. And then he had a little bit of athlete to him. And then he did a couple of smart things. It's like, yep, that's him. And then the, the, the interception was a PI. I don't, I didn't say that on my timeline because people just go, all you do is defend Desmond Ritter. It's like, well, but it is. (laughs) Yes and no. (laughs) But the six points, the six points there, like we're beside the point. We saw what we needed to see on that drive. Great drive. 
it, it was just, it was meticulous and they used different personnels and it was like, yeah, that's exactly it. Like this yeah. is what this offense is going to look like. And that's a good defense they were going against. This yeah. Bengals defense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they had starters. <laughs> they had, yeah. A lot of starters out there. It was, yeah. it was very solid. Um, one starter for the Falcons who we have not really talked a lot about is Bajan. Um, you know, obviously the, the rookie uh, draft pick here who looks amazing. I mean, that, I don't think that's a surprise, but is Bajan Robinson the cherry on top of this offense or is he like, is he going to totally define this offense by season's end? I'd say yes. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, I think the misconception is and we get excited about the positionless football or, yeah. or I saw the YouTube video and I, I, I think the guy is Austrian. He said align, alignment agnostic was the line he Heck used. Heck yeah, I and, love it. And I love that term. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm stealing it. I told him I still, <laughs> I'm going to steal it. Um, it's, But I, I love that term. But also, it's he's incredible as a true running back. <laughs> it's these, there's too many times, and I like Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Algier, who again, was another guy I was high on and then the Falcons took. And it's yeah. just like, they just keep taking my guys. I'm telling you, it's like, I, I, I know I have a couple of people in that, that building and follow me on Twitter. I'm not saying it's anything like that, but it's like, it's very easy for me to like this team. When You've they got just that red phone me. that goes right to, to Terry Fawn knows all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Arthur Blank's son. Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> hey Josh. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, uh, but it's, it's seriously, that, that's another reason why I'm high on them. It's just, they just keep taking these guys. Even Matthew Berger on them high on Zach Harrison. I was yeah. high on. It's like just all these guys. So, yeah, I know it's just all these guys um, is just as a true running back is Algier will get, okay. It might be blocked for five yards and you get five or six. And he, I think he was a very efficient back and, you know, mm-hmm. he's, I liked him, but why you have to ding him is he doesn't have a lot of that. He doesn't, he doesn't have a third gear <laughs> or a fourth gear. He kind of gets yeah. stuck in first and second gear and he's just Peter's on. He's got good vision, but that burst Great is on base percentage, but yeah. not like a ton of, yeah. Yeah, and short yards. He's good in protection. He's got good mm-hmm. hands. He's like a nice, useful back. And then I, but you made this offense made a useful back look like that last year. And everyone's like, I love him. It's like, okay, watch him, and then watch Bajan, <laughs> and then you'll get it. <laughs> and then you watch. I, I, he is incredible. Like his vision, his I. The line I keep using. I've been trying to figure out a good way to phrase it. Is that the way he kind of tempos his runs is is a phrase I like to use. But mm-hmm. that's what he's exceptional at. He understands to, okay, the linebacker's moving over the top. I got to slow this down. I'll let my left guard get him. Okay, and then I burst through the hole. Yep, yep. And he does that every type of run, and which is good because this offense will run every type of run he's good at. And of course, the hands and all that. But And then he's not – I wouldn't say that top end, he's not an overwhelming long speed guy, but this guy hits doubles and triples, and he'll – take a guy a play that's blocked for 10 and he's going to make 20 on it and mm-hmm. he's going to get something that's blocked for two even the bad plays and get five and get four or it should be a zero yard gain or negative one and get three it's just those hidden yards that he can create and that's why he's the cherry on top because i think that baseline's already good but he's going to define it because he's going to make this offense go it's I, I i just i'm they took him high for a reason i think he was worth the pick yeah, we can get into value and all that, but I, I honestly could give a shit. I, I honestly, it's like <laughs> I'm the same way. For, yeah, for this offense, it's like yeah, I get it, I get it. Like, and I think he's that kind of special player. And also, this is total sidebar, but you know, I, people have gotten overwhelmed with receiver contract and all that type of stuff. And I think a lot of them are overpaid at this point in time. Is if you look at a guy like uh, Noss Neckler or CMC, is that the amount of first downs they create as receivers. 
is mm-hmm. just as good as some teams two or three passing attack options just as good as some guys that got paid in the offseason as well like see i think it was cmc had more receiving first downs than gabe davis last year yeah and i was like, like it's just a pure receiving numbers like he was yeah. like the, a wide receiver like six or seven last year in fantasy like right. if you, yeah. so it's okay and then as a, as a runner he's a top five back no matter what, how you shake it i think it, i have a, a stat uh, i started looking at it was uh, successful targets per route run mm-hmm. and eckler and cmc were both in like the top 15 top 18 uh, of all players and so if you're taking a top 15 receiving option and a top five rushing option, how is that not valuable? Right. I, I just like, I cannot like explain the math to me. And that's something I'm just going to really harp on probably this next year, especially if Bijan goes bonanza this year, like uh, bonkers this year, yeah. which I think he could. So I, um, I just, just like, he's still a football player and this offense likes football players. And mm-hmm. he is just the one, like he is that alpha ace type that you can build offense around. But if you went to other offenses, it'd be nice. This offense with this play caller, this setup, it's like, yes, I think it's all systems go. It's going to be, there's going to be some really, really cool stretches of games, really cool stretches of plays, I think. Yeah, I'm going to be insufferable with the uh, value conversation if Bijan Robinson is anything like we uh, think he's going to yeah. be, because bottom line, he's just fun. I'd rather add a fun player he's to this offense. It. He's in the perfect spot. Like it's going to be great. But Nate Tice, this was great. Please, everybody, go check him out on uh, The Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays and just at The Athletic um, in general. I mean, your stuff is is great, as always. You provide a lot of in-season value uh, to accompany what we're watching. So please uh, go check him out where you can. But Nate, you got anything else uh, before I let you go? No, I appreciate that. I'm going to start writing at Yahoo soon, so be on the lookout for yeah. that start next week. Yeah, so I'll be good. And yeah, I'd love to come back on maybe sometime in the season once we can... Uh, Hopefully, maybe take a half victory lap or eat some crow. One of the things. I'm willing to do both. So, but uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks again for having me on. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. Again, apologies for it being a little bit delayed. Thank you to Nate Tice for joining me for that conversation. I feel like I learned a lot about this Falcons team, or at least came away with uh, with great reasons to back up maybe the feelings that I had, but wasn't able to vocalize, which, you know, I know is my job as a podcaster. I'm supposed to be able to put my finger on the pulse of my own feelings and then explain it all to you. That is the job. But I think you understand why Nate Tice is one of the best in the business uh, when it comes to all of this, because he just does such a good job of taking a complex idea and making it so that you can wrap your arms around it and really embrace it. So the Falcons are going to be a huge amalgam of complex ideas, interesting uh, confluences of events, motion, chaos, all of these fun things. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all simple. So don't get distracted by the splashing water. Leave that for the defenses. Focus on the fundamentals, offensive line play, defensive line, the run game, the stretch zones, the play action. It's all going to be there. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So again, thank you, Nate, for coming on and and breaking all of that down for us. Uh, We're here. We are here, everybody. The next time that you all will hear me will be with Ovi recapping the week one matchup against the Carolina Panthers. Here's hoping it's a win. Um, But that'll do it for me today. This show, as always, was presented by BetOnline. Please check out the socials. Please check out YouTube. Uh, Like and subscribe if you can. Shoot us a note. Believe in Falcons at gmail.com. If you have a mailbag question, we will be peppering those in throughout the season when we get them. So send them on in if there's anything you want us to cover 
on the show. That will do it for me today. Until next time, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.